Let's worship the Lord together in every season, in every situation. Let it be Jesus.
for great, great things for your glory and for our good. And so, Lord, we pray for discernment and wisdom, Lord, for those who are in leadership, God, that you'll please um, give them grace and help them to serve well, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for faith, God, that people will come to you, Lord, and for unity, that we'll come together and we will um, just be your hands and feet for your glory. Thank you for your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Family and friends and uh, everyone tuning in, we are um, so thankful that you're with us again this Sunday morning. It is Mother's Day, and so we want a big shout-out. Give a big shout-out to all the moms uh, that are among us and uh, want to just uh, kind of, in uh, quarantine and uh, social distancing, hug a mom today. Uh, I'm wearing my um, kids' hands-on shirt, so all the handprints are for you, moms. Um, my mom is no longer with us, but <clears throat> it's amazing how God works because um, no mom can be replaced, but now I have three daughters that are all moms, and they're great moms, and um, I have a wife that is a great mom as well. And so moms just continue doing what they do because they really are the backbone of our families and uh, our communities, and without them, we just like would not be here at all. So hug a mom, okay? Hug a mom and uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you moms that are out there. It's crazy out there though. It is uh, getting a little crazy with everything that's going on. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you watch the news and you, you know, check out the news on, uh, online and it's just one crazy story after another crazy story of people just doing really wacky things and um, all kinds of reactions to what's going on in our world right now. The good news is um, we've begun phase one here in North Carolina and uh, probably most states are getting ready to move into phase one, which means we're going to begin to start moving back together and uh, practicing good things. But uh, we're on our way, I think, to recovery and that's a great thing. So praise God for that. He's going to get us through this and uh, we're going to move forward. So God is at work, right? He is at work and he's building like these solid blocks of truth into our life. We're marching through the book of Philippians, some truths to move us forward in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And Paul is working, like as he's writing this letter to the Philippians, Paul's again in Rome in prison, and he's got them on his mind and in his heart. He knows these people, he knows this church, and he's writing some things, some truths to them to help them really become stronger believers and, and more faithful in their following of Jesus and, and who they are as people. And, and so uh, we're marching through um, Philippians and we're in chapter two as Paul builds these solid uh, blocks of truth into their life. And we're gonna get a little running start here, verse 12, uh, this is kind of the context of uh, what's been going on in Philippians and uh, in chapter 2 especially Paul says this in verse 12 he says uh, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling we studied that um, in the past week or two and then in verse 13 he says for it is God who works in you remember to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose so it's all about God's purpose not our purpose not my purpose or your purpose but God's good purpose and in verse 14, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become 
He says, blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then he says, you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And that's what we studied last week about, about um, shining as stars. And uh, today, Paul moves on to verse 16, and he says this, and this is what we're going to look at today as we kind of think about and meditate on and, and let the Word of God just kind of like saturate our hearts and our minds. Paul says this in verse 16. He says, as you hold firmly to the Word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ, Paul says, that I did not run or labor in vain. What a great word. The, the truth that we're looking at today is truth number 15, if you're following along on your outline, is this, hold firmly, hold firmly, hold firmly to the word of truth. That's what Paul says, holding firmly to the word of truth. Because we're all holding on to something, right? When things get crazy, we all look for something to grab onto. Maybe you're driving in your car and somebody cuts you off and the first thing most of us think about as adults is, right, the person next to us, right? We're, we're trying to help them hold on. We're thinking about helping them stay safe, right? So we're all, no matter what's going on in our situations, we're all holding on to something. And even in a spiritual way, we are holding on to something. Well, this idea of, of holding firmly has two real ideas behind it. And I want to share those with you real quick. The first one is this. He says in verse 16, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And the first idea is that we are holding forth or we're holding out the word of life. Kind of like a torch. Right, the idea of a, a walking through a dark jungle or a, in a cave, if you've ever done any caving, and you have a torch, and you're holding out that torch so that it's lighting your path. Remember last week, we talked about this. I showed you a little video about uh, Muhammad Ali, 1996 in Atlanta, the Olympic Games, how uh, we watched him uh, with the torch as it was handed to him, and he lit that cauldron as he was shaking with his Parkinson's disease. And uh, Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer to ever step foot on this planet, and uh, he lit that thing, and it went up the wire, and it lit the, the, the huge cauldron, and, and it gave light to everyone in the stadium. And the idea, the idea of the torch is that we are stretching out the light for others so that others can see, holding forth, holding forth, lighting the path for the progress of other people. So when Paul says to them, hold forth the word of life, he's saying, don't forget to share the truth of who Jesus is in the light of the world with the world around you, with your friends, with your family, with people around you, because it's so important for our soul, for our eternity, but it's also important for us as people as we live on this planet. The psalmist in Psalm 119 said this, your word, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path, right? That's what the, the writer of Psalms said. The word of God is not just a light to our path, but the word of God 
is Jesus, is the very person of Jesus, because Jesus is the light of the world. As we, as we look to Jesus, as we look to him, not just in reading the word of God, but the word of God that points to Jesus, as we look to Jesus, he lights up our path and he draws us to himself. That's what the light does. It draws us to him. Anytime you, you, you're ever like in the dark, if there's a light, most people are going to are going to move toward the light because light it has a sense of security and a sense of like being able to see what's going on and understand your surroundings and so light light gives confidence and light gives understanding whereas darkness leaves us in the dark it leaves you unsecure or insecure and it leaves us wondering what is around us like if you're ever out in the woods camping you're you're hearing the word the the noises out there but you can't see what they are we get what we get to do is hold out that word of life so that others can find the path so others can come to find Jesus who is the light of the world and it is an honor and it is a privilege for us to be able to have the the light of the world and the truth of Christ to hold out or to hold forth for other people, for our family. We, we hold forth the light for our family or we hold forth the light for like our friends and for our neighbors and for the community. And so the first idea of holding out or holding on to the word of life is that we hold it forth. The second idea that Paul is trying to share with them in this idea of as you hold firmly to the word of life is that we hold on to the word of life. The first one is we hold it forth for others to see. This idea that Paul is trying to help them realize is that we are holding on to the word of life. Like as if it is our, uh, as if our eternal soul depends on this light and on this truth because it does. It truly does. Have you ever, have you ever held on to something for your dear life? You know, like hold on for your dear life. Maybe you're on a roller coaster ride, or, or maybe you're, you're in the car with your, maybe your teenager. It's the first time they're driving, and you're like teaching them how to drive, and you're holding on for dear life. Or you're, uh, maybe, maybe you're younger and you're on a sled, you're on a toboggan and it's being pulled by a snowmobile and your buddy George is driving and you're just holding on for your dear life. Love you, George. And uh, so the idea, we get the idea of holding on for your dear life. We get that. John Michael and I, John came to North Carolina years ago uh, while we were living here in New Bern. And uh, I picked him up, it was around Thanksgiving, I picked him up at the airport and we were gonna go fishing. And so I had a little aluminum boat and we were going to Lake Jordan outside of Raleigh and we were gonna fish. And uh, it was cold, so we had layers of clothes on, I had all my gear in the boat and you know, we're going fishing and we get out on the water and it's a little rough out there, it's windy and, uh, and, and our weight shifted. Somehow our, our weight shifted and the boat tipped over. We're out in the lake, probably not in the middle of the lake, but we're, we're, we're a ways from shore. And, and I hear the motor, we hear the motor go down, and it's going, 
you know, like a motor with sound underwater. And the boat, in the boat, it's kind of like this boat. This is not our boat, but it's kind of like this. Just the tip of the boat was sticking up. Like everything else was down to the bottom of the, the, the lake. And we're in the water with layers of clothes now freezing and being weighed down. And we didn't have our life jackets on, but, but it didn't take long. And, and what pops up out of the water from the boat are those life jackets. And uh, I said I to John, John, grab the jacket, grab the jacket. John wants to save the gear and the equipment and stuff, and he's wanting to grab stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Grab the life jacket. And we grab onto that life jacket, and we held onto those life jackets, and we kicked our way back to shore like our lives depended on it. If you've ever been in a situation like that, you kind of understand what that would be like. You are just holding on for dear life because in that moment, it really was a matter of life and death. It's a matter of like your body is now so cold that you can't feel your feet and, and you're beginning to wonder if you're going to even make it to that shore. But praise God, those life jackets popped up and we grabbed onto those things and we went to shore. shore. And so the word, the word of God or the word of life is what we need. The word of life is what we need because we are drowning down here on a planet of sinfulness and brokenness where we have fallen away from our creator and rebelled against the God who made us and loves us. We're drowning. We are lost in our sin and we are cut off from our maker. The Bible says that we are without hope and we are without God in this crooked and depraved world that Paul wrote about a few uh, verses earlier, this crooked and, uh, and, and depraved generation, he said. And Jesus, what happens is Jesus, in the midst of drowning in this muck of sin, Jesus pops onto the scene. And what Jesus does is he demonstrates that he is the promised Son of God, the Messiah of the world, the one that the prophets had spoken of. He proves, he gives evidence of his authority to be the Lord of all creation. And he dies on a cross, and he rises from the dead, and he returns back to heaven, and he promises us that he would come back. Now look, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But, but he is the rescue that I am going to grab onto. He is the life jacket that every one of us need to hold on to for dear life. This is a picture of Peter. Remember Peter, Peter uh, said that Jesus came walking on the storm, uh, walking on the water in the midst of the storm. They were out on the boat and Peter said, Lord, let me come to you. And Jesus said, come on. Peter starts walking on water, and then, remember, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he begins to sink into uh, the sea. And Jesus reaches down, and he grabs Peter, and he says, Peter, uh, keep your eyes on me. Why, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? And so, so this idea that we need Jesus as our rescue is the only hope that we have for salvation and for hope. Paul, Paul said... Hold on to the word of life. And that word of life is Jesus. Remember uh, the, the, the last crusade, the, 
the scene, the end of the scene after Indy gets through all the, the mazes and the, the obstacle courses, and he finally gets to that cave where, where that, old, that old guy was guarding the, the Holy Grail, and it's a room full of uh, goblets. And, uh, and the idea was you had to choose, you had to choose which one was the, the grail of Christ or the, yeah, the holy grail of Christ. And remember Donovan, the guy who was working for the Nazis, he chose foolishly, remember? And he drinks, he dips it in the water and he drinks from it and he disintegrates into nothingness. And then, and then uh, Indy, he grabs uh, the humble cup of a carpenter and he drinks from it and he had chosen wisely. Well, here's the challenge of the day for me and for you. The time to pick your rescue, the time to pick our Savior is now. I mean now. Now, because the end is close by. Time is ticking away. It is, it is ticking away like, like the old uh, soap opera that my mom used to watch. Now, we used to watch it with my mom. And uh, my sister Kathy, shout out to Kathy because I talk about my brothers today. I shout out to Kathy. Uh, but used to watch this as, as uh, sand goes through the uh, sand passes through the hourglass. So are the days of our life. Remember the show, The Days of Your Life? Remember that show, you're, you're old like I am. Uh, most of you guys probably have no idea what that show's about. But the, the, this, the idea of the hourglass, time is ticking away. And, and we have to make a decision on who our rescue is going to be. Who our Savior will be. We have to figure out, we're going to leave this planet, and we're going to enter eternity, and we all have to figure out or decide or choose what is going to save me? Who is able to save me? Who has proven themselves able to save me? And there are lots of choices out there that people are picking. Okay? Please don't put this off. Don't put this off, okay? If you think, if you think that upon death, you just cease to be, like this guy says, there's probably no God, so... Stop worrying, okay? If you just think that there's no God and you just cease to be, and there's plenty of people out there who think that that's their rescue or that's their go-to or that's their answer for eternity, then I just say you better be 100% certain because you have everything to lose if you're wrong. You might want to make sure that that is the right answer, okay? You might want to make sure. If you think... If you are one of those who think that there are many ways to heaven, that religions and different prophets all can get you to the same one or to the same place, you tell me, you tell me then one other God or one other good teacher or self-proclaimed God that died on a, that died for you and me and rose again from the grave and had hundreds of people that were eyewitnesses to his resurrection. Okay, what other prophet did that? What other God, small g, God, pulled that off? As far as I know, there's only one. There's only one. If you are banking on evolution and the Big Bang Theory, that we came from slime, that came from nothing, if, if that's what you're banking on, the Big Bang, then you really do have more faith 
than all of us put together. Like, you have real blind faith. Like, like, like very little evidence to prove that everything that is today came really from nothing or from a Big Bang. What, what the Big Bang and evolution is, is really scientific hocus pocus. It's like pulling stuff out of a hat that has no, no, no foundation, no basis, no real proof to show just a lot of made up stuff to try to fit the pieces together to, to basically prove a theory that doesn't hold water. You have more faith than all of us because your belief system in evolution that all the universe came from nothing, not even science, not even science backs that up. Because even in science, you have to have something to get something else. And evolution basically says there just was some stuff and all of a sudden it turned into you and me. Finally, if you are looking to science to provide your hope for life and eternity or, or the answer to spiritual things beyond the physical world then, that we know it, then you are going to be left out in the cold if science is your answer or if science is your salvation or your ticket out. Because one of the greatest scientists in the world, Isaac Newton, said this, in the absence, in the absence of any other proof, the thumb, the thumb alone would convince me of God's existence. This is a scientist who said this. So if you think there is no heaven and no hell, if that's what you would think, or that's your conclusion, that there is no heaven and no hell, then you must also say that Jesus is either a liar or a lunatic. He's either a liar because he said he was God, or he's a lunatic equal to somebody who says they're Superman, that they can somehow save the world. Because Jesus spoke more about heaven and hell than any other biblical person out there. And so if those things don't even exist, he's crazy or he's out of his mind. Here's the thing. I will trust the biblical account of God and mankind, creation and the fall and God's great rescue plan for me and for you through his son, Jesus. Some will say, some do say that Jesus is a liar. And some will say that Jesus is a lunatic. But to me, Jesus is Lord. And Thomas Aquinas said it like this, and so did some others like C.S. Lewis. Thomas Aquinas said this, Christ is either liar, he is a lunatic, or he is who he said he was, and that is the Lord. Jesus said, Jesus said in the future, in the future, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and with glory. Jesus will come back. See that? Jesus said, you will see the Son of Man, referring to himself, coming on the clouds. Jesus is the one who will come. Not Buddha, not Mohammed, not Allah, not Krishna, or not any other name, right? 
these are not all and the one same. These are not all different names for the same God. That is not how this is. Jesus stands alone from all of those others. Jesus is the one who's coming. Jesus is the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father unless they go through me, the Son of God. There are, there are no other paths to God. Only Jesus conquered death. Only Jesus has authority over the grave. Put your hope in Jesus. And don't wait till tomorrow. Put your hope in him now. We were created in the image of Almighty God. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This complex universe demands a maker. Just as much as your iPhone or your watch or your computer, your laptop demands a maker. There is no way that any of us would ever believe that your watch or your iPhone would just form itself out of a lump of dust given enough time. That is the most absurd thing in the world to ever think. You have to, you have to literally throw your brains in a garbage can to really make sense of that kind of thought. Right? And um, to think that it all came from, from nothing or that uh, a big chaotic bang somewhere out there turned into this great complex order goes against not just like common sense, but it goes against all science. See, natural chaos creates more chaos, not order. Only, only with intelligence does chaos become order. That intelligence is God. See, one of the greatest minds ever to walk the planet, Albert Einstein, said this, the more I study science, the more I believe in God. Now, people say different things about who Jesus is. We all have a choice to make. We all have to decide. Peter was asked who Jesus was. Jesus asked him, and Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so the question for you and the question for me today is simple. Who is Jesus to you? Like, who is Jesus to you? Not who is he to your parents or your brother or a friend of yours, but who is Jesus to you? Like, who is he to you? Ask yourself that. Who is Jesus to me? Who do I think Jesus is? Because we cannot save ourselves. Any more than a puppet can pull himself up from his own strings, it just can't happen. It's like, it's like being in an elevator and the cable snaps. Like, like all of us think that the cable, the, the, the car, it's going to go down, right? Well, my brother Bob and Paul, they, they uh, inspect elevators, right, in Colorado. My brother Bob was telling me that there are many cables on every elevator with counterweights. And if anything ever went wrong, what would happen is the weights would go to the bottom and the elevator would shoot up to the ceiling. So kind of put that in your brain. Be ready for that. If something happens, the elevator's probably going up, not down. But regardless, it would be like holding onto the wall of the elevator, thinking that you're going to be safe when it crashes. 
or holding onto the rail of the Titanic as it begins to sink into the ocean. That's absurd, it's crazy, it isn't gonna save you because it's all going down, all of it, the whole earth, all of the world, the whole creation is going down. God has spoken and God has warned, warned us of a coming day, that the end is coming soon. Now I'm not a doomsday prophet, but there is an end coming. Jesus spoke of it more than he spoke of, of most anything else in the Bible. Jesus spoke of heaven and hell more than any other biblical character in the scriptures. In, there are over 100 passages of scripture warning us about the end of time, that there is an end and it is coming soon. Let me share with you a few passages of scripture Real quick, as we move through this, look what he says. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, he said, Mark this, there will be terrible times in when? In the last days. And he, he describes how people will be. They'll be lovers of money, lovers of themselves. They'll be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Sound like a lot of people on the planet? Yeah, it does. But notice what he says. There will be terrible times in the last days. In Matthew 24, probably one of the greatest passages of Scripture about the end of time or signs of the ends of the age, Jesus is uh, sitting on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples come to Jesus privately because he had been talking about these things, and they said, tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be a sign of your coming, and what, and the end of the age? So Jesus taught this to them. They were asking questions about this. They thought it could happen pretty soon. Matthew 24, later on in verse 42, Jesus says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know what day or your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what time the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at the hour when you do not expect him. Jesus is trying to warn us and tell us that there is going to come an end. The end will come. In uh, 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul wrote, he said, Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write you. He's talking about the end time. For you know very well that, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Well, people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Sorry, Kaylee. And they will not escape. The end is going to come. Paul taught that to the Thessalonians. And in Acts, Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter writes, he says, Repent then and turn to God so that, why? so that your sins may be wiped out. That's what God is trying to deal with in our life is our sins, to get them cleansed, to wash them away, to be forgiven between you and God. Repent so that your sins, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Look what he says, and that he may send the Messiah. He's going to send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. Peter talked about the end of time. And second Peter, he wrote this, but the day of the Lord will come again like a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought us, ought you, ought me to be? 
Like, like the scriptures over and over are trying to tell us there's going to come an end. And you, you need to decide who your rescue will be, who your salvation will be. And Jesus has given us more than enough evidence to show us that we can trust him, not just in this life, but in the one to come. Verse 12 says, as you look forward to the day of God, another reference to the end of time, and the speed it's coming. Do you see that? That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. That day hasn't happened yet. It is coming and it's coming soon again in Matthew 24. But, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Brothers, sisters, friends, are we standing firm waiting for the end? Are we standing firm walking with God or are we playing games with him? Are we trying to, to, to say we're followers of Jesus but we still want so much of the world in our life? Or are we truly following Jesus with everything in us? Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Did you know that uh, verse 14 right there, and the gospel preached to the entire kingdom. Did you know that there are over 17,000 people groups? According to the Joshua Prof, uh, Project, there are 17,000 people group, groups. Approximately 7,000 of them are unreached. Uh, approximately people-wise, that's about 42% of the population of the world has still not heard the gospel. Okay? Still has not heard. We have a job to do. We have a message to share before the end comes. And I know the gospel has to be preached to all people groups, but God is wanting us. He's waiting on us to share the truth with the world. In our home in Clarence, uh, we used to live in a, in, a, in a home, and right across the street from our house was a fire department. And whenever there was a fire, it could be any time of the night or day, and usually it seemed to be at 3 a.m. That siren up on this pole above that thing seemed to be pointed right at my bedroom, and it would go off, and it was loud, and it was a warning to everyone. When we lived in Oklahoma, little different siren. They had a siren for tornado warnings there. We didn't have that in Buffalo, but they knew in Oklahoma, Quapaw, Oklahoma, this big old siren would just go off if there was any warning of a possible tornado coming through. These verses that I just shared with you, they are like a siren ringing loud and clear. Prepare, prepare. We have been told the warning has gone out. Please, please, Take this to heart today. Don't put this off. Don't put off who your rescue is. Don't put off who Jesus is to you. We don't know the day. Jesus said only the Father knows the day and the hour. And let's care about the unreached peoples of the world. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe God is calling you. Maybe God is going to put on your heart or is putting on your heart to, to be someone who will go. You know, the, the, there's, there's over 7,000 different languages among those people groups. 7,000. Most of them have never heard the gospel in their language. Most of them have, have no material, no written material, no Bible 
in their language. Now, in order for someone to do that, it's going to take a long time, a process, probably a lifetime, to just do it in a few different languages. Maybe God is calling you. It's all going down in a ball of fire. The first time God washed the world by flood and he gave humanity a second chance, this next time it's going to be with fire and complete renewal. In the end, time as we know it will come. Here's the thing, we can't save ourselves from this disaster. We can't do it ourselves. We need someone, not from this earth, to come and save our soul. This is why Paul wrote these amazing words in Colossians chapter 1. For he, God, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. See, that is our rescue. That is our hope. We hold firmly onto the one and the only one who is able to save our soul. That's who we hold on to. He is our rescue. He is our life jacket that popped up while we were drowning and we grabbed onto him and we hold on to him with everything in us. In verse 16, he says, as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast or to brag, to take great pride, to like bubble up or well up, like with this big smile. Look what Paul says. On that day, on the day of Christ, you see that? That's that end time day when Jesus comes back. That's what he's talking about. And this is why he's going to be able to take pride. is because we got it right. That we did not, Paul says, that we did not run or we did not labor or work in vain. Everything we did for God's glory will pay off. Every part of what we do for him is an investment in the kingdom of God. None of it will be a waste. Not one ounce of energy, not one dime, not one work will be a waste. Everything you do for the glory of God will pay off. We will see and we will discover that anything outside of honoring God, all the things that we spend a lot of time doing, will have been for nothing. Truth building blocks, right? That Paul is building into their hearts and he's building into our minds and into our lives. And what Paul says in truth number 15 is this, hold firmly, hold firmly, hold out the word of life that others would see it and hold on to the word of life with everything in you. And let's keep moving forward in our faith. What a great word for today, right? What a great word that we hold on to and we hold firmly to the word of life in the midst of the storms around us, that the only solid rock we have, the only foundation that's going to stand. Remember the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built it on the sand. A wise person lets Jesus, who came from heaven, be his rescue. And I hope he's your rescue today. If he isn't, I pray that you would seek him with your heart and pray. Find someone to talk to. Contact me. I would love to talk to you about this. But if you have never decided to let Jesus come in and wash you clean and, and repent of your sin and turn to God and be immersed into Christ, if you've never done that, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Well, happy Mother's Day. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in. And let's pray. God, I pray that you'll just move in our hearts and draw us close to you as we give you ourselves, God. 
You are our rescue. And we want to hold on to you and we want to hold out the word of life that others will find you. God, please draw us close to you. Help us to see how, how much good we can do for all of eternity. That we can be partners in an eternal work right now. God, help us to stop chasing after things of this world that will really amount to nothing. And help us to chase after you, God. We love you and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Be safe and be smart.